Hello, everyone. Welcome to this Man on FPL special um, brought about this week by the fact I've activated my wildcard. Well, I did on Saturday, to be fair, straight as this game week started. Um, so, yeah, I'm on wildcard this week. And then I spoke to Martin and he's like, oh, I'd come on there with you because I think I'm going to wildcard next week. And then I'm in a few group chats and then I spoke to Danny and he's I heard I think I've heard you say since Danny that you're going to wildcard next week. So we've got a uh, we've got a special guest on um, Danny. First podcast, I think he's he's said that this is for him. So feels like quite privileged we've managed to get him on for his first podcast uh do you want to give us a little introduction mate on uh who you are and where you come from turn out sound like Silla black now <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure no no cheers guys appreciate you having me on and yeah it's the first first podcast of a, of a guest in on i suppose um my name is danny um on twitter randomly don't ask me why but bullet i, I wish i hadn't got that name now but there we go it's just stuck now so um well yeah or move 78 FPL, um, and yeah, I, I I know that I joined Twitter in like I think I think the season was seventeen eighteen. That was when I basically started. Re- I know everyone says this, but genuinely started taking FPL seriously. Um, basically, my, my brother created a mini league and joined the league with me, and I was like, right, I'm not I'm not playing this game with my brother and losing to him because I'll never hear the end of it. So I had to start taking it seriously. So I set up a Twitter account and started interacting with people, and yeah, so that's what five five, six years ago, whatever it was now. So, and um, never intended to get any followers on Twitter or, or it, it become very serious, but obviously FPL just carries you away, doesn't it? So here we are. You've been around long enough to give expert opinion, which is what we really like. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'll, I'll try and contribute something. So yes, a few sort of themes for this one. So obviously it's, it's wild card. We've got a, a slide on maybe some goalkeeper stuff for those interested in that. Um, some stuff around defenders, a hot topic at the minute is do we still want all of these premiums? He's big at the back working. So some thoughts around the main premiums and some lower owned, um, cheaper players and the best structure of balancing those out against each other. Another talking point is do we need or how many premium attackers do we need? I think most people will agree that Haaland is as close to essential as you're going to get now, but who you put with him, do we need a Salah? Do we need a De Bruyne, even Harry Kane? So, or is one premium enough if we're going to perma-captain Haaland every week? So some thoughts on that. And then some stuff on strikers again. I think the main reason for wildcard, a lot of people, me and Martin, I know definitely did, started with two strikers and a dead asset. Um, I think because some of the mid-price strikers are now starting to do so well, um, I think the reason for wildcarding for a few is to to change to three playing strikers. Um, so, yeah, some thoughts around which other strikers to get. Um, a, bit, a bit more elaboration on what we spoke about on Monday on the on the sort of the main man on pod, shall we say. So we'll we'll, we'll jump straight into it. Um, first slide is literally just a list of defensive stats. Now, I'll, I'll be honest up front here. The expected goals conceded column is from a different site to the other three. So shots conceded, shots on target, big chances all comes from Fantasy Football Scout and XGC expected goals conceded comes from FB Ref. So, Martin, I know you already I highlighted something that didn't seem to make complete sense. So um, there may be something in here that maybe doesn't look quite right, but the num- the numbers are accurate from the sources I got them from. But maybe there's an error somewhere. But th- I think the gist of this is is fairly normal. I'll, I'll, I'll start by asking: When you do wild card, what are your thoughts? What are your original thoughts on goalkeepers? Were you thinking of a, a Sanchez or a Raya, or was you thinking about upgrading? What, what, what were you thinking? We'll start with you, Dan, as, as you're new. Um. Well, in my mind at the moment, uh, it's Nick Pope, basically. 
that's that, that's that's where I'm thinking. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm actually interested to see what what the arguments are for, for others. Um, yeah, it just seems to stand out. Obviously, you know, it's from Newcastle looking really good. They, 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 they're good on the. They've got good fixtures up to I don't know, game week thirteen or something like that. Um, but you know, I think I think it was was off posted a stat on, on you know against West Ham. I think he he, had, he made nine saves. They conceded no big chances. Um, they conceded like nineteen shots. I mean, it's, it just it looks like you know Pope of Burnley, but at a much better team. I mean. I feel like I feel like Newcastle is still being slightly underappreciated because I think you know they've been a very good team to me for for quite a while now since since Howe took over. Um, you know, really rated defenders, Dan Byrne and, and so on. So Pope just looks like he he offers everything you want as a keeper, saves, bonus in a really good defense. So that's where I'm at, at the moment, and I, I feel like that's unlikely to change. Um, I've got Ramsdale on my team at the moment. I'm not particularly happy with him. He's not playing very well himself. He's the one who's sort of costing probably the odd goal being conceded, um, and he, he's not getting he's not sort of getting the bonus. He's not getting saves. He made three saves for the first time on the weekend. Um, Raya seems interesting. Sanchez was interesting, but then obviously this, the latest I've seen is that game is actually getting cancelled altogether. So I don't know if you've heard that. Brighton uh, Palace, isn't it? The oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's gonna that's gonna cause. I mean, that might you know prompt quite a few people to push the wild card forward a week if they're just left with Ward in net and, and then maybe they've got a Brighton defender as well. So that's going to be interesting. But um, that's where I'm at the moment. I mean, I'm, I'm just be interested to see what you guys think, but, you know, um, not really Edison when you've got Pope. I can, go, I can go next. So I've got Edison at the moment. He was my original goalkeeper I've held through from game week one. And the reason being, I, I thought Man City would be the best defence statistically and I wanted two of them. Um, and because of the uncertainty around defenders to start with, I thought Edison was just an easy way in up until... I, I assumed I would be wildcarding somewhere around now, so I thought I'll just get Edison and he'll play all the games up until that point. He'll be one of the better keepers. Um, I didn't expect him to be completely top for points, but I thought he'd be up there. And uh, so now, I, I, this is one of my deliberations now. Do I still want double Man City defence? Because the stats say here that they probably are the best defence. Expected goals conceded comfortably less than anyone else. Shots on target conceded comfortably less than anyone else. Um, but yeah, is, is he at 5.5 worth it over some of these cheaper keepers? And Pope, um, I realised on Saturday, was going up Saturday night in price to 5.1. Trippier as well was another one I was considering from Newcastle. So it was two, those two and a few others were reasons I decided to wildcard because waiting a week could have cost me sort of 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 more than activating when I did. And I thought I had to go Saturday because I say Pope especially and Trippier especially were, were going up Saturday night. So he was my, before I put this slide together with all these stats on, he was the goalkeeper I thought I would have on my wild card. I had some reservations whether Newcastle were good enough defensively to have two of. That was my only concern with him and Trippier. And if I did want one of them, which one was better? But at the moment, I'm I'm planning to go with both. Um, Martin, what about you? Yeah, so I've got Pope in my draft for a potential wild card next week. Um, yeah, I think Sanchez, you know, if, if Graham Potter leaves Brighton, that would massively put me off as well. Um, you know, Raya, Brentford, don't ever keep a clean sheet away from home. Um, yeah, the Leicester double up obviously is very cheap. Um, if we knew he was coming in as manager, that might be by this time next week, that might, maybe that would be more interesting. But to be honest, I think I'd struggle to spend the extra money anyway, the drafts that I've done. 
Um, so, yeah, and, and with with Edison, I think he, I, I, I'm not in much doubt that Edison will get the most clean sheets. But um, as we can see, they don't concede many shots. So it's kind of like it's two or six, really, most of the time. And it does potentially block you from a third city later on. Because um, I, I do think... I do think it's possible that I might want three. Well, it's very possible that I might want three city outfield players um, at, at some point. So I think it is. I think it is Nick Pope, really, isn't it? Um, I know um, some people were a bit concerned at the beginning of the season. Would he get all the bonus that he used to get at Burnley? Because Burnley used to set up in a way where they would strategically sort of invite people to shoot from range. Um, and would that happen at Newcastle? But it looks like it is. So looking at your table here, Craig, it looks like they've conceded, was it the third most shots on target? Um, but, you know, like you said about the Palace game, they're not necessarily big chances. It looks like that thing is still there where Newcastle are encouraging people to shoot at him. And if you look at Dubravka, the back end of last season with, with Eddie Howe in charge, Dubravka was picking up save points as well. So... Yeah, put it all together. I think it's Nick Pope, isn't it, with the fixtures as well? Um, Just on this slide here, Pope and Ray are very close. So it literally all, all three metrics, they're kind of the same. So um Raya is, was he, 0.5, something like that, cheaper. But as you say, the clean sheets are probably will be quite different, even though these numbers on the screen are quite similar. So I do I do think Newcastle are likely to get two or three more clean sheets over Brentford in the next sort of 10, 15 weeks, probably, which might justify that. The one kind of interesting case here was was Everton. So I have not considered Jordan Pickford at all. But um the the big one is big chances conceded. So eleven is actually quite low on this list. I, I haven't put them in order on big chances conceded, in order of expected goals conceded, but Everton expected goals conceded second worst in the Prem, but big chances wise, they're not letting that many big chances. So if he's facing a lot of shots, um, Pickford, but not a lot of them are big chances. A bit like what you were saying about Pope, that could be uh, a nice situation where he's facing a lot of shots, but they're not many of them are expected to go in almost. So yeah. I, th I think he's one sort of a dark horse, should we say, to put in. I, I don't know if I've seen enough of Everton. They've obviously played a lot better against Liverpool. They've got a lot of new players in. Maybe they'll play a different sort of tactic now, which will make them a bit a bit more defensively resilient. I don't know. But I wouldn't completely write Pickford off. Um, I haven't looked at Evans' fixtures closely enough, if I'm being honest, whether it, it justifies getting him. I'm guessing they're not as good as Newcastle's. But I think he is an option for if you want a differential keeper. I, I think I'd probably rather have him than some of the other 4.5s now if I was going to get a 4.5 keeper. Yeah. I think I, I think with Everton, it's like when, whenever I've seen them this season, the thing I've been impressed with Everton is when when they lose possession, they get men back behind the ball and in position so quickly. Um, and it's a similar thing to what I was saying about Burnley with Nick Pope. That then tends to lead the opposition to being maybe a bit more prone to shoot from distance because it's like, well, how am I, I going to get through this? So yeah, it, it could be it could be that similar situation to Pope at Burnley where they will you know, uh, face lots of shots from range and he'll, he'll rack up points that way. So, yeah, there's a differential I could, I could perhaps see. Yeah. Basically conceding one in three of the shots on target are, are, are classed as big chances. A lot of teams, it's way over 50% here. If you look at on this this Crystal Palace, 24 shots on target, but 20 of them are big chances. So a lot of them are kind of one in two, more, more like that or, or worse than one in two. But one in three for Everton, which I'm guessing as a percentage is probably the best out of all of these. Oh, and Tottenham, to be fair, four of 16 is better. But yeah, I, I've not 
I wouldn't completely discard um, Pickford. I might consider him if I don't go for the Pope-Trippier double-up, but I think I agree that Pope probably does look the best one in the short term. Mm. Pope feels... I do like the Pickford shout. I'm just going to have a look at his fixtures in a second because the, the, you're right, Everton are setting up differently at the moment and they've signed some good defensive players and they're, you know, they're basically hitting teams on the counter, aren't they? And I like that start a lot with Pickford. Um, the big chances, but Newcastle just feels does feel quite predictable and it's the saves. You know, the the clean looking at the fixtures they've had this season, you know, I mean the, the three games that they haven't cleaned is Liverpool away, Man City, and then Newcastle uh, sorry, and then Wolves one all. You know, but then they they play Forest clean, play Brighton clean, play Palace and Palace are a good team, clean and it's the saves on top. It's two double digit holes in that already. I think I saw a stat I can't remember, it was probably not exactly, but something like, you know, since how joined or since last December or January, they had like the second most clean sheets or something in the league. So it's not, obviously the defence is nothing like as good as Man City's, but it's just, it's one of those teams that just feel really solid when, when they play in a, a non-top 16, every chance of a clean and then it's the saves that are predictable. It's the saves that you want the keepers, isn't it, like you say? He, he was the one pre-season when I looked at the prices. I thought, if I looked at all the keepers in pre-season, I thought, which one's got the potential to get a bit of everything? And he looked the best, but we didn't really have the evidence at that point. I know that maybe six game weeks isn't loads of evidence either, but we've got some evidence now, at least. It looks like it's developing the way, at least I thought it would. So we've got a little bit of via test proof. So, yeah, we'll move on. So I, th- I think we all kind of agree that he's probably number one. On to premium defenders. And I put Trippier in here as well, although he's not really premium price. He's kind of in the middle. Um, Perisic maybe as well, you could argue, is in the middle. But... Um, I think a fair few managers at the moment have stuck with, I'll say stuck with, but have chosen to have three or four of these on this list. So for those listening, it's Trent Robertson, Van Dijk, uh, Cancelo, Diaz, Reese James, Perisic and Trippier. I, I say, uh, surely some people have still got Trent, Cancelo, James and Perisic. I know that that quadruple up, shall we say, is quite popular. I, in my original team, had Trent. Um, well, I did have Trent, Cancelo and James. I sold Cancelo last week. Um, but yeah, there's multiple people with three or four of these. Um, and if I'm being honest, looking at the numbers that are on the screen now, none of them stand out as being wonderfully good to me. I think even Trent, he's better than most of them on here, but I don't even his expected goal involvements probably isn't as high as I thought it would be. Like one involvement every five games, not especially groundbreaking, is it? Um, and it's, it's a dilemma now, I think, because Cancelo, the reason I sold him last week was because his XGI was low. And it's still 0.09, which is only one when Ruben Diaz is 0.08 for a million less. I would argue those two are just as now to play. So that feels to me like that's a million wasted going Cancelo over Diaz. Others may disagree with that. Um, and Trent 0.2 is OK. Reese James 0.35, but Tuchel's been sacked today. So what does that mean for him? Um, it's getting my defence right. I think it's the main the main problem I think on my wildcard because if I want four premiums, that's a little bit more money obviously invested in defence and that would limit me probably in midfield. So I, I can't decide at the minute whether I want four of these with attacking threat and just play them every game and hope that they come good. Or do I go down to two or three of these and mix them up with some with some cheaper assets who are a bit easier to bench and maybe give myself a little bit more money to to spend in midfield. So I don't know what your thoughts are on on, on these players on the screen now. Um, I mean, for me, it, it is it is the big question: which defenders and how many on wildcard? Um, Trent still for me is just you know just just going to keep him there. 
um, at least this is I'm trying to simplify it in my mind at the moment. Um, Cancelo, I actually think the can the value of Cancelo has gone up sort of in the last few weeks. You know, I, I know people were sort of thinking about selling, and I don't disagree with anything said, but it feels like to me now that he's you know the most nailed Man City defender and, and more nailed than, than you know relative to others than he was. I, I'm not sure that Diaz is as nailed as he as he was previously, um, and I think. I don't know a lot about this Akin Jai, but I've, I've heard really good things about him. And I was listening to FML and they, you know, FML, FPL, and, you know, they know the stuff. And they said that he's far and away their best centre-back now. And that's surprising to me because I don't know anything about this guy. But obviously he played very well last night. Um, so, and then for me, Stones has probably been the standout centre-back of the season so far. And the problem with Stones is he's, he's never, well, he's not reliable in terms of fitness, which Pep said last night as well. Um, but, all that means is, you know, and then you've got Aki who was playing very, very well. I don't know if he's coming back. Um, on the bench was he yesterday. On the bench was yesterday. And, if, and, you know, the likes of Stones and, and Aki can play fullback. Cancelo played right back last night and got two assists and looked far better and far more threatening. It might be that he then plays right back more often. But at the moment, for me, I, I wouldn't touch any Man City defender apart from Cancelo, um, even more so than, than that was previously. I mean, I've got Stones in my team at the moment, but and I was quite happy about that. But obviously, he he's, seems to be ill or something at the moment. So for me, that means that, again, this is one of the problems with wildcard is, <laughs> this is what I'm struggling with, is even though we're in game week eight, suddenly there's lots of new information arriving. And I feel like, you know, the people who, who wait are going to, that's the benefit of that is getting information on City. Whether Cancelo will move to the right, for example, on, on the likes of Chelsea with a new manager, what that looks like for Reese James, whether he's in a back four, whether, whether that makes much of a difference, and then Man United and so on. But, you know, assuming that we are going to wildcard this week or next week, well, next week for me, maybe, Trent, Cancelo, and then Reese James, because I'm not going to go without, I'm not going to start without. You'd assume that, given that they signed so many centre-backs, um, you know, that, 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 that it makes sense to, to keep five at the back and play with wing-backs, and, you know, especially with Fafana arriving now as well. Um, so then, for me, it leaves, it leaves the question of those three, or do you get Trippier as well? And if you've got if you've got Trippier, you're going Pope with him. Perisic, obviously, I like for... You know, if you're going to wildcard, there's the option there of starting with him um, for the Leicester game. I think his minutes are probably better than most people thought they would be. Um, so, but in my mind at the moment, um, not having not thought about it too much, it's Trent, Cancelo, James, and probably Trippier, likely Trippier. And then I'll, I'll, I'll take my punts on the likes of Spurs elsewhere. What are you thinking, Martin? Well, I've got in my draft for next week at the moment, um, it's a similar story, really. In my draft at the moment, I've got Trippier, Perisic, Alexander-Arnold and Cancelo um, with Neko Williams as a kind of backup. But, yeah, it does bother me that a bit that James isn't there, especially if if, if Potter were to go, um, for example. I think that would be... I think that would be good for, for, for James and whoever plays on the other side um, or Chilwell could become an absolute bargain um, if he becomes a regular under Potter, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I think Trippier, um, Alexander-Arnold and Cancelo are kind, of, are kind of locked for me. And then it's, it's between Perisic and James. I could, because um, I've, got, I've got 0.3 in the bank there and I've got Leon Bailey um, at 4.7 there as well. So, obviously, if I brought Bailey down to a 4.5, then I could get Perisic to James, so that'll be that'll be something for you know, like we said, a bit more information by this time next week or the end of next week. 
but uh, yeah, similar similar to Danny, really. Those those three um, are, uh, are kind of locked, and and I agree that I'm kind of liking Cancelo more by the week for for lots of reasons. Um, so, although I was coming around to the idea, you almost talked me into selling him, Craig. But I think I'm going back the other way now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm probably going back the other way again as well to, towards getting him. I. I'm adamant I want at least one Man City defender. So ideally, I'd like two, but I, th- I think it's too much. Um, if, unless, I don't go, unless I go for Edison, because he's obviously a cheaper way in. But to, having two defenders, I think, is too much. So I've got a decision to make between Ken Sello and Diaz, but one of those two is definitely in. Um, Trippier, for me, is definitely in. Taking all the set pieces and with quite a high chance of bonus, it, I think it feels like. I think he's nailed at that as being in. I've now I've then got a problem. I, th- I think I only want one more premium, which means it's a shootout between James and Trent um, for my third slot. I so, say I can see the, the reasons for having both Liverpool after this game against Wolves, though, which I think I want Trent for. But after that, I'd be prepared to lose him for four or five weeks. I know he still can do well against anyone, but the fixtures I think are enough that you can justify not having him. So mate, I'm, I'm debating whether I just go to Trent this week and book in Trent to James next week, the week after, which seems a bit of a stupid place to book a transfer in mm. but the, the, the good thing about James now is that I, you shouldn't get messed around by the new manager as much as Tuchel messed him around that Tuchel was rotating wing backs all the time James obviously at centre back you'd like to think whoever comes in will clearly just pick him every week because he's that yeah. good so his, his minutes should improve I would think I don't think he'll play at centre back under a new manager either so you should be playing in his, in his better position either at right back or right wing back mm. but do I trust them to keep a clean sheet against Fulham at the moment? No. Looking at the fixtures beyond that, are they that great for clean sheets? No. Um, they could keep them, but I, would, I wouldn't put put my house on it and say we don't know who the manager is. So I'm tempted to start with Trent, Man City and Trippier for now and have in the back of my mind in the next couple of weeks that Trent to James might be a move because Trent, I don't think he's doing enough at the moment to justify having him. I think targets uh... that one long-range goal against Bournemouth. I think the, pro- the problem with Trent that we've had so far is that Jota has been out and Nunes has had a bit of a stop-start, um, you know, beginning to his career at Liverpool. And I just think once Nunes is like is, is properly settled and they've got Jota back fit, that really is a benefit to Trent in terms of his, you know, the quality of his, of his, his delivery into the box. Like Jota and Darwin are such a threat, you know, aerially that I think Trent's numbers are going to improve once once those two are sort of more settled and it doesn't really matter which one of them plays, like it's still a benefit to Trent. I agree with that. I think Nunes will help Trent massively, especially when he comes back. It's, it's, it's just, can you go without Trent for the next five weeks? You probably can, I think. It, and you shouldn't be afraid to transfer a defender for another one. Well, I think we look at our teams and think all of our transfers have to be used on attacking players. But maybe we could book a transfer in for Trent to James when we know a bit more. Um, I'm still undecided on this one. I just know I want Trippier in a Man City away from that. I could be tempted to get four of these and then just play them every game, which I'm sure a lot of people will. Um, while we're on the subject to sort of double up, so yeah, Man City, I think we're all kind of saying, Danny said he wouldn't trust Diaz enough to, to it'll be Cancelo only. I think we all kind of agree Trippier and Pope are the double up is fine, despite Newcastle not being elite in defensive numbers yet. But I think we both agree that they offer enough in other ways to to have them. But what we're thinking on Liverpool, I'm guessing that 
the Robertson and Trent double up is done. But while we're talking about Liverpool, we might as well touch on the midfielders as well. We've got, we've talked about Sadler and Diaz while we're here. Are we, are we, what are our thoughts in Liverpool in general and how many to have? You got mine. You're okay. Um, so yeah, at the, at the moment, I'm thinking I won't have Salah on wildcard. Um, I, I, I feel like I prefer De Bruyne as my premium midfielder at the moment. Um, and yeah, just that that little saving on Salah, I think, is worth it. It's allowing me to do to do other to do other things. Um, so at, at the moment, at the moment, I've actually only got Trent in my in my wild card from Liverpool. I think the the thing I'm conscious of is we've got like a run from game week nine where the big guys start to play each other. So we've got Arsenal versus Spurs in game week nine. Arsenal v Liverpool in game week ten. Liverpool-Man City in game week 11 and Arsenal versus Man City in game week 12. So I'm really conscious about, I mean, those are those are tough fixtures for the players and they're playing each other all the time. Um, and I don't want to end up in a situation like people are going to find themselves in game week 10, for example, where they've got Arsenal-Liverpool and they've got six players in that game. Um, and there's a few other examples where there's a sort of a danger of that happening. So I'm prepared to sort of take Liverpool on with the exception of Trent for, for a little stretch, I think. Yeah, um, I don't I don't disagree too much, really. Um, as I say, Trent Trent's staying for me. I mean, for a few reasons. I, I, I expect Liverpool to, to improve, you know. I think I think Thiago's close to coming back, isn't he? I'm not, Thiago is very important to Liverpool. Um I don't know how close he is. I don't know if you guys know, but um, yeah, I heard he's back training. So yeah, so he's not he's not far off. I mean, you know, he he controls the tempo of the game for Liverpool, and I think they they're probably relying on more than maybe a lot of a lot of us realise. I don't know, but Thiago, you know, Fabinho, if he gets gets back up to speed, and then as you say, Nunes, I do think changes the team entirely, and they kind of they kind of built around that, and he's not been there. Um, I wouldn't want to go without Trent. This week at home to Wolves, it's probably the, you know, it's probably arguably the best clean sheet fixture there is. Um, then they've got I can see the fear in Craig's eyes as he's trying to process. No, it's, it's <laughs> more. This is the benefit of you two going next week because Liverpool have got and Arsenal to be fair are good this week and then their bad runs come. So yeah. if I wait in a week, you've cancelled out the fact they've got a good game to to cover first. I've got to deal with the issue of they've got one good game followed by a bad. How do I? Best balance. Yeah, that. You yeah. Got- this is it. It's 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 definitely that. It's, it's pretty much Liverpool. You know, the big ones are Liverpool and Arsenal this week with very good games, and then and then slightly less so next week. Um, then Liverpool have got Brighton at home after that. I'm just looking now as well, and that could be good, especially if Potter's gone. But that, again, that's that looks good. But Trent, there's a flexibility thing there. That, if you don't if you don't start with them unless you've got cash in the bank, it's very difficult to get there. Um, Diaz, I, I won't I, I won't have. Um, obviously, his, his minutes, have, you know. Not not going to be as good as they as they might previously have been now now that Jota's back. Um, I might even sell him this week. I know that's not ideal with Wolves at home, but I need sort of two players for one, so that might that's another story. But um, and then yeah, Salah. You know, although I expect him to again for him to improve, he, he hasn't looked the same to me. He, for whatever reason, he, he he is a bit further wide. He's not quite got the threat that he had last season. That doesn't mean that I'm not writing Salah off. That doesn't mean he's not going to return. But the thing is that we do know is that Haaland is actively reducing the value of Salah, you know, in the team. Haaland is, 
is the best captain option now for me. Pretty much most, in fact, I'd, I'd probably say at this point, virtually any game, if we if we think slash know he's gonna he's gonna start, you know, even this week coming up, if if I think he's gonna play Spurs, I'll I'll likely captain him over Salah at home to Wolves, which seems like crazy, but you know this is what you're getting with Haaland at the moment, and you know even last week when people are sort of saying oh you, you know oh, it was close, Salah nearly matched him, but for the post, but it wasn't really like that because Haaland could have had three or four returns. I think Haaland finished the game with like 0.9 xgi and. Salah was like 0. 0.4 or 0.5. So it wasn't actually close. It could have been a lot worse for, for people who, who hadn't, you know, who captained Salah. But I think, so, you know, obviously, yeah, so I'm making an obvious point, but, you know, a lot of Salah's value comes in the captaincy. So if that's reduced, that opens up some, some you know, potential opportunities. And when I look at the prices of the players, when we talked about the defenders that I don't really want to sacrifice. They're too good. A lot of three or four of those defenders just look too good. And then when we come onto the strikers, I would say four or five of them look too good. So we want three, which, so what you're left with is a Salah price point, a Salah or a Salah price point, unless you're going to completely spread it around. But there might be an opportunity there to, to play around with that position for Salah. Like if, if I wildcard next week, again, I want to see Spurs. I want to see how Spurs do. And I want to, I want to be confident in Son's minutes, for example, but I'll probably start with Son um, against Leicester. And then, you know, again, Provided that Haaland's okay, there might be an opportunity there, and then that that links to the Edison point. You know, I might want De Bruyne, so that's why I would. You know, that's another reason why I might not want Edison. So that's where I'm at. Is, is, is that 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 premium spot, the Salah spot for me, is either going to be Salah more often than not, or or it's, it's an option to to change around. I'm going to do a, something dodgy. I'm going to jump on two slides while we're talking about this because I'll, I will come back to budget defenders because this kind of ties in with what we were kind of just talking about. So here's all the premium attackers, midfielders, and strikers. There's six of them. On the screen, heat maps at the bottom, Salah on the left, um, De Bruyne on the right, and some general numbers. These may not be the best metrics, they're just ones I picked that seem fairly interesting. Um, and I don't think it really tells me a lot. I was quite surprised to see Sun have quite so many shots in the box. 15 feels quite a lot, one less than Harry Kane, one more than Salah. I think I was surprised by that. Salah's obviously having a lot of penalty box touches, considerably more. He's had 12 more than Haaland, for example, but isn't maybe making the most of them. Um, and But Salah's creativity is not bad. More more chances created than Kevin De Bruyne. So he's got a better goal-scoring threat in terms of XG than De Bruyne, but he's created more chances than De Bruyne as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, to me, feels like Salah is superior to De Bruyne. I know you're paying 0.8 more at current prices, but he's in my draft at the minute, Salah, because... I, I'm I'm looking at my my chosen team on wildcard, and I'm not desperate for money as of right now, because there's a lot of cheap players that are doing quite well. I can get by quite comfortably and have Salah still. It's not like I'm I'm struggling to get Sterling and I really want him or or Son or something like that. So he's in more by default at the minute because I basically don't know where else to spend the money, um, and I'm likely to keep him because I. I'm not convinced by the De Bruyne and Haaland double up. I'll never captain De Bruyne if I've got Haaland as well. You'll never really be able to predict which games that either are going to start. So you're never going to captain De Bruyne by choice, I don't think. So that puts me off. Although it does feel like their understanding is getting a bit better now. And De Bruyne has got another assist for Haaland yesterday, didn't he? Yeah. Um, it feels like that's becoming a bit more normal. But I don't think I want both of them. Um, so that puts it down to Salah or Son, really, for me at the minute. And... 
I think we all know Sonny hasn't really delivered yet. I don't think his numbers are as bad as what maybe people think they are, but he's just obviously not getting any returns until we see Son looking like he's about to start to go on one of his hot streaks. I don't think I really want him either. So it's Salah by default um, because I, 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 I can't really, not I can't make it work, but if I only have one premium, Haaland, and then spread the rest of the money around sort of the, the middle-priced assets, one, if one of these takes off, I can't get to them very easily because they're all way more expensive. And two, um, I say none of the other ones are really jumping out. I mean, Harry Kane, I think there's enough strikers that are a bit cheaper that are matching his sort of numbers to, to a point. So I don't think he's really a consideration. It's Sun, really. But would I be brave enough to do what you just said, Danny, and play and pick him against Leicester? Maybe it's a punt that's worth it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I... I agree. Mike Salah's a better option than De Bruyne for me. Salah's still the, probably the, you know the, be- the best, if not the second best option in the game. So I, com- I completely agree. It's just the way that I'm seeing the wild card at the moment is there are so many kind of knowns, so many players that when I look at when I'm when I'm thinking about when I'm looking at putting them in, they just don't jump out to me as players that I'm planning to transfer out anytime soon. You know, I'm not James Trippier, you know, Trent, Cancelo, um, Martinelli potentially, um, you know, Haaland whether it's Tony or Mitrovic or Isak, they're all players that they're not, they're not players that I'm concerned, remotely concerned about. And I'm not concerned about the minutes. And that's, you know, that's key. It's picking these guys whose minutes are going to be good over the next few weeks. And as you say, you're left with that price. But if I don't start with Salah, I will start with, with enough money in the bank to get him as soon as I want him. Um, because yeah, as, as you say, I, I agree. He's still, he's still the best. And I'll, I'll very likely, I'll either bring him straight back in or I might, I might wait a little bit. Um, you know, Salah, Son, there's an opportunity there, particularly next week. Salah's Salah's playing Chelsea. Obviously, Son's playing Leicester. I I still want to see something. Son seemed, I've not even seen the highlights from the Fulham game yet on Saturday, but um, apparently Spurs looked a lot better and and Son looked a bit sharper. But Son could just wake up at any moment. You know, we see that with players all the time. He's he's just, he's not been fit for me, but that that could, we can't predict when that's going to happen. But I expect him to just wake up at some point. And then the game after that, even, you know, you're left with options. So again, for me, it's that a flexible price point, given that Haaland's captain is actually looking like the Salah point. And as you say, you can't really go down, you know, go down to cheaper mids. It's, Salah gives you the option of a Sterling. It gives you the option of Fernandez. We don't know what those players are going to look like. They both could look really good. I mean, United are really going under the, right, under the radar, I think, still. Um, but yeah, so Son, Son's got... Leicester and then the game after that he's got Arsenal and if you know I'm not saying Arsenal is a good fixture but look, look what Rashford's just done on the left hand side um, against Arsenal on the break so that, that that could be nice as well um, It's interesting that I really like that I hadn't uh, when I did my wildcard draft I didn't really think too much about what would my first transfer actually be um, and yes to start with Son and then Potentially, that's that's your first transfer out. It was really interesting. I did make a couple of notes about Son. Obviously, he was in the running for Golden Boot last year. Obviously, he smashed FPL again last year. But just just the point about the small sample size we've had so far. I think I think there is a danger because it's the start of the season. People will make more of this sample size than a six game run at a different point in the season, for example, because it's at the beginning. Um, and last season, for example, Son blanked between game week nine and 12, and he only scored one goal between game week 17 and game week 24. Um, but yeah, he, he, was, he still smashed it, didn't he, over the whole season? So it's just to make the point that it's not like last season, Son was sort of 
drip feeding points every week. He he wasn't. Um, he he can be a bit of a streaky player. So and if and if you can catch his next streak, you know, at the beginning, then you're you're quids in, aren't you? So uh, yeah, uh, I like him as an idea. I think it is worth booking in some transfers. I'm at, at the moment, my draft, my second mid is probably a rotatable spot around sort of eight million or less. And I'm I'm kind of keeping it open for sort of weekly transfers. It could be it could be Diaz for week one onto Zaha, even down to like Sinistera or something. I want to keep that spot flexible. I had my five point five spot uh, in my initial team that I jumped around with. I didn't really gain anything from doing it, but there was potential there moving around between Eze and people like that. That I think that having that a spot in your team where you've always got the option to transfer someone for a better game is good. But if I'm talking about already transferring. Trent to James maybe in a couple of weeks, then booking in Salah and Sun rotation is dangerous as well, plus that midfield slot, but something to think about. Um, again, it doesn't help that Salah's obviously got the better game this week. You're not going to get Sun, I don't think, on my wild card facing Man City. I know he's done all right against them before, but based on what we know at the moment, I don't think you can realistically start with Sun if you're wild card in this week, but you could go to Salah onto Sun, couldn't you, next week maybe. Mm. And I don't, you know, I don't even like the phrase booking in transfers because I don't think like that. That's just not how I think. I don't, I'm not planning to book in transfers. I'm just looking at where, you know, where transfers might happen. And, and the th- again, the thing with Salah is I'm not as scared right now as I, as I would have been previously about going without him for a week and trying to capture the system somewhere else or, or another player somewhere else. Not because of, not because of what I'm seeing. Slightly, a little bit because of that. Well, actually, much more of it is because of Haaland. You know, Haaland is there, so that that's where the, that's where the captaincy is for me at the moment. Generally, um, well, it's the first game that he's realistically captainable now. Salah, do you think you've got the fixtures up, Danny? Haven't you? Because if you don't, well, cap- I'm, I'm, I've got I've got Liverpool. I can remember the thing is is what where it gets complicated is potentially. I don't. I think it's game week nine when City play Wolves. Now. Their fixture is schedule is particularly congested there, and I can't remember exactly what they've got, but it's something you know they, they, they play on the Sunday or something like that, and then they play on the Wednesday and then they play on the Saturday or something like that. And, you know, there's a Champions League game. And when you look at the actual games, you'd think that if Haaland's if Haaland's going to get a rest, which I feel like we've been saying all season, then it could well be Wolves. I need to look at it, but that could be worrying enough to not to not want to captain him. And then that's the week that Salah's got Brighton at home, so it does actually complicate it in terms of not being on Salah at that point, because that could be the week where Salah really is the, the, the best or the safest captaincy. But again, uh, you know, you, you could play around with it and, and Son, if Son is looking good, I don't hate him against Arsenal. Um, Sorry, but what, what, what was your question, Craig? When, does... when, when would you realistically captain Salah next if you look at Liverpool fixtures? Because they're not really, maybe that week, like you just said, against Brighton, if, if Potter's still at Brighton, I don't think I'd captain Salah against him. If it's, no Potter bright, and maybe there is a, more of a chance to captain Salah. But I think from memory, when I was looking at it, it's about six or seven weeks before I'd even really entertain the idea of captaining him next. I think it was. Yeah, so, and it's, it's just that Brighton game, like you say. I mean, Potter might not be there, but it's 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 it does become a question if if Harlan looks like he might get a rest, like like really looks like he might get a rest in that game. Then I still like Salah at home to Brighton. Um, but yeah, as you say, apart from that, that's 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 the question. Is that week? Apart from that, it doesn't look you know it doesn't look like you would. Cool. We'll jump back a slide. Um, back to budget defenders. We, we we jumped ahead of ourselves. So this was a slide I put together because I was thinking of having three premium defenders and two budget ones, and I was unsure whether that was the better strategy or having 
four premiums and one budget one. I'm, I'm not a big... Uh, Martin said it earlier, I think he's got four premiums and Neko Williams. I, I don't really want to do that. And I don't really just want to put my fifth defender as basically a permanent sub. I know there'll be weeks where Neko Williams has got a good game where you, you play him. But I, I don't tend to like having dead defenders that basically I, I never want to use. You do potentially get yourself into headaches and end up benching good points when you've got five fairly good ones. But um, there's a couple on the screen here that are all um, around the 4.5 point. I put Salibur in. I, I got him for 4.5, which is why I've included him, because if I sold him now, I obviously would would lose some value. Well, not lose value, but I got him at 4.5, so he's comparable to the other ones on this list for me. So, again, for those on audio, it's Saliba, Dunk, Joe Jim Anderson, um, Fafana, Botman, me, Dallow and Collins um, all in their own ways doing quite well at the moment Saliba is in the second best team I think in terms of expected goals Arsenal doing really well in that regard um, so if you're looking for a defender that's going to get you more clean sheets he's probably he's the best one to have and he's top of this group for bonus points so far joint top um, Collins doing surprisingly well. Points per start is pretty much the same as Saliba, despite the fact he doesn't seem to have done anything. Saliba has obviously scored that good goal the other weekend, got a cheeky assist as well, where Collins is averaging pretty much the same points per start, despite the fact he doesn't feel like he's done anything out of the ordinary. Um, Dallo, I think, has got very interesting. Now, Man United have clearly tightened up at the back the last couple of weeks. I think his attacking numbers are under the radar. I think touches in the box and uh, chances created are quite high. So, and it looks like he's fairly nailed at right back. So I think he's quite interesting um, to have now. He was 4.4 when I got him another one high wild carded on Saturday at 4.4 and he's gone up since. Botman, good numbers, I think under the radar, but triple Newcastle defence is probably a bit much. And I'd imagine most people would agree that Pope and Trippier are better. For final, we don't know. He's in there as a, as a bit of a lottery pick, isn't he? Because he obviously fucked up for the goal yesterday, but we don't know what, how he's going to fit into the new manager's plans. And then there's... Say me and Anderson and Dunk are also fairly solid enough in in their own regard. So picking one of these, I'm finding quite tricky. Um, if I was going to go with the four premiums, then picking two, I was trying to find a way to to find some sort of rotation where I got a good game off of one of them each week. Um, I guess from both of you too early, you was you was favouring. I think the four premiums with one of these approach. I don't know if it, looking at these numbers, it changes anything. Um, who's going first <laughs> I, I mean for me again maybe I'm, maybe I'm too rigid sometimes but I, I don't tend to I certainly don't rotate defenders not that, that I'm not saying that's the right thing to do to not do it but for me I'd either go three and two cheapies or I'd go four and a cheapie so I'm not really looking at these sort of guys um, but Having said that, again, it, it depends what the rest of your team looks like and what you know what it is. If if you know if if getting one or two of these guys allows you to get you know a, a midfielder, a Sterling or a Zaha or someone that you can't get to that you're confident with, then then yeah, I've, I've got no problem with that. And then, like you say, the problem really is information. I mean, Dunk. We don't know if Potter's going. I do like him. The, the, the fixtures, in fact, no, the fixtures pretty much would rule him out for me. Um, Palace, Liverpool, Spurs, Brentford away. That's, they're all bad for cleans. Um, sorry, I'm sort of thinking out loud here because I haven't really looked into this. For me, Fafana, I think, will play. He's just too good not to play. He's, he's, he's absolutely awesome defender. So he's going to play, but you know, doesn't really offer any attacking threat. So if you really want the money, then then fine. Dallow is is Dallow is the interesting one there for me. 
like you say, I think he's he is going under the radar. I think because United, how good they've actually been defending as well as a team recently is, and then that's that's without Casemiro up to speed, and um, yeah, his numbers his numbers are very good. I think his xGI is 0.19 for the season, xGI per ninety, so it's right up there with with some of the best attacking defenders, and he looks pretty nailed. Um, but again, is he? Yeah, his fixtures are either the fixtures are either really good or really bad. So, would you bench him? Is the problem? Is he too good in a good enough team that you'd want to you'd feel obliged to play him all the time? I mean, again, that, that is, that's the problem, isn't it? We haven't really seen what United will do against the bigger teams apart, apart from Arsenal. I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to be having to play him every week at the, at the moment. But I'd be very happy to play him for those good fixtures. Um, and you know. Again, the way that the seat, the prices are set up and the teams are set up, it's not difficult to have a good player on the bench. You know, I think the, when I just threw a wildcard draft together before, um, I'd probably go into the Chelsea Liverpool game with Reese James on the bench. Um, so, yeah, uh, having one of those players fine. Just depends on the rest, the rest of the, the setup. But um, Dallow looks very interesting, a bit more risky. Fafana looks very solid, but. Um, just it's going to offer very little, you know. They, Chelsea have to start getting clean sheets for Fana to be a good option. I think Joe Jim Anderson's probably got the best games between now and and the World Cup. Um, say on the on the chart at the bottom, if I'd been rotated with Dallow, I'd play Anderson in the majority of games there, and even the three away games, I wouldn't choose to bench him. He's not the worst. They, they, they've got no the only sort of big six teams have got Man United and Chelsea both at home. But Palace not quite as good defensively numbers wise as they were last year. I think last season he was the third best home defence in the league. So having them for just playing them in the home games would have been advantageous at the moment. They're not quite there. Um, but he's still an option. I I, I think I agree that Dallow is probably the, the biggest upside one of these, but the Man United fixtures are a bit ropey. I, I think if I'm being honest, especially if you're looking for clean sheets, as good as they've been lately for, for defensive numbers. Most of the games don't scream clean sheets to me um, for Man United. So I suppose he's not a bad one to put first. So I don't know if he's pulling your case, Martin. He might be worth the difference on Neko Williams if he's got a lot more clean sheet potential and probably upside-wise, attacking-wise, they're probably not fairly similar, I would guess. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, I've, I, I, I kind of feel that I'm happy with Neko Williams and the money in the bank, to be honest. Um you know, as a, as a sub option, how how often is he really gonna? How often is he really gonna come on? And 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 I do I do back Nottingham Forest to get better as well. Um, obviously, their defensive numbers at the moment are horrendous, but I do really rate Steve Cooper, and I think he will he will figure it out. Um, I, I I do believe that. So I just think Neko Williams is such amazing value, and he's he's got so many routes to points. Um, that I'm just I'm happy with that, but. I think Dallow would be Dallow and Anderson would definitely be my next my next ones. Um, and I think I think as Crystal Palace's fixtures get slightly easier, I do think Anderson has potentially got um, route, route to points beyond um, clean sheets as well. Like his range of passing, he could he could start to pick up bonus, you know, because he'll whack in a few key passes a game and things like that as well. I do believe that that could happen when he, when the fixtures get a bit better for them. You think Saliba's a sell though? Uh, he he looks. I say I've, I've had him from four point five, so he's a reluctant sell for me because obviously I've got him quite cheap. But and Arsenal, I say stats wise, are the second best defense in the league at the minute. But in terms of fixtures, it's not looking the best, at least in the short term. Um, 
I think he probably is a reluctant sell, I think, for me at the minute. Um, but yeah, who to, who to go to? So yeah, yeah, some decisions. I think you, you, you two are swinging me around to going with four premiums and one of these, where I was probably more of the mindset of having two of these in rotation before we, we started this. So I, I, I gained some knowledge here. I don't even know what to make of Palace at the moment. That's another problem. There are weird ones to figure out because I really, you know, the amazing team and they were, they were top six defence last season. But I've heard Palace fans say that the partnership of, of Gray and um, Anderson, it just doesn't really work as a partnership. I, I don't, I, I'm not sure myself. Really? But, um, it, apparently, just positionally, it's kind of just doesn't really work and it's a bit all over. And, I, and I, I honestly, I don't know. They've had, because they've had very difficult fixtures so far, but they didn't. You know, they didn't get a clean against Villa. They didn't get a clean against Brentford. I think they conceded three XG against Newcastle. And that that that's that's not like Palace. So um, I don't really know what to make of them. So again, it's an information thing. That all of the players there listed to me feel um, there's too many unknowns. Yeah, they've got three home games in four. So if I was going to pick one for the short term while we figure it out, they're they're the team that have probably got. Well, maybe Newcastle, but we're not. So we're not going to triple up with with Botman. Um, maybe Anderson's the one you'd be happy to play most of these over the next four if you had to. Um, because that Dal- those games are the two two of the three away games at least. They're not good ones. Um, but he could do really well in the Leeds game. So yeah, awkward. We'll leave that one. We'll park that chat there on on them. Uh, we'll jump forward and then last one. So this is mainly for you, Danny, because me and Martin have spoken about this on Monday around Gabriel Jesus. Well, not so much around him as such, just around which three strikers we want. Haaland's obviously a lock. Um, looking at the screen now, we had this slide on Monday. It, it feels like Mitrovic is really hard to ignore now as a striker. Um, and that obviously only leaves one spot then if you go with those two for someone else. And is Jesus the next best? So I guess the floor is yours for this one. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. I'm not sure I'm going to contribute much because, I mean, yeah, obviously it's Haaland... Jesus is an amazing asset. It's just simple as that. I'm, I'm looking forward to having him this week against Everton at home. That would be a big worry if you were, if you wild having this week. If you don't have him, although I'd probably find a way to just start with him. I'm not sure, but um, if I wildcard next week, I, I won't have Jesus. I wouldn't have thought. Um, obviously, he could do really well against Brentford, and that'll be worrying. Um, but the fixtures after that, I just I don't. It doesn't the fixtures for Mitrovic are too good and Tony and and Isak. So yeah, I mean for me, Mitrovic is basically locked because he's he just looks he just looks awesome. He's cheap. Uh, fixtures are really good. Don't need to say too much about him. Um, he would have scored in every game if he hadn't missed the penalty. I think. Yeah. Um, and I do really like Tony. That's that is a difficult one with 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 Isak and Tony. Um, I mean, Tony's numbers are like surprisingly good. You've got them there, like 0.75. Is it are they 0.75 per 90? I'm not sure. It's something like that anyway. I looked at myself before on FB ref. And uh, I've got 0.62, but, but yeah, I don't know. Even that's very good. Um, so Tony's just, I mean, but, but yeah, Isaac's fixtures, what are they again? They just look... Very tempting. I mean, they've got they've got Bournemouth next. I think you know they've got Bournemouth in um, in game week eight, haven't they? Bournemouth at home, and then Fulham away, and then Brentford at home. Which which has me leaning that way. I mean, he, he's he's I haven't been able to watch him all that. I saw him against Liverpool, and when he looked really good, he's he's what was I'm just looking for the last 
two weeks when he started. He's got 1.26 non-pen XG in the last two weeks when he's when he started. Um, and I think that includes the Liverpool game, although I can't remember. That's from Scout. So his numbers are really good. And so that, that's where I'm leaning at the moment is basically Isaac Mitrovic and Haaland. Um, but Tony is difficult. It's actually difficult to go without Tony. I mean, the, that free kick that he hit and he said he's been practicing. He, he just, he's just, he's one of my favorite players in the league. He's a ridiculous player. Um, he's probably the best penalty taker in Europe, I'd probably say. I wouldn't even be worried about saying that. Nobody else takes one like him. Never missed one. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. He's the player I thought Man United should have signed in the summer. Yeah. I'm a United fan and I would have killed to have Tony. I would have been <laughs> delighted to have Tony. I was saying that last season. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's the knowns in it. I mean, there are more knowns with Tony even than Isaac. I mean, penalties, if he's taking free kicks like that, ridiculous. 90 minutes, really good player. Brentford are putting up good numbers, you know, attacking numbers. And um, I'm just looking at what the fixtures are for Brentford. I know they're decent. So from game week eight, where I was looking, they've got Arsenal at home. Then they've got Bournemouth, Newcastle away, Brighton at home. So that they're, they're decent. But and I would I would probably lean that way if if Newcastle's fixtures for the next three from game week eight weren't so good. Yeah, that's how good Tony is. That I would I I would want to go there and I. I I'd like to be able to get to him quite easily because Isaac could easily get injured as well. I don't know what he, I don't know whether he, you know what he's like in terms of his injury record. Um, but Kane is just a, a no-no for me, I, I, just purely because of the other options. In, if you have Kane, you can't have one of the other strikers who are just ridiculously good value. And then you know, if I was going to obviously Haaland's n- nailed for me, so if I was going to go Kane, then you know, that's where you wouldn't be, you wouldn't have Salah unless you're going for three million, which I don't think is a good enough team with what's on offer. So in other words, if you're having Kane, you're not having Salah. But then, you know, if, you, if you're not having Salah, then have, have Son. I know, I know Kane's playing better than Son, but Son can still outscore Kane, no problem, especially if he, if, when he does wake up. And then, so the, 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 but the big one that I keep almost forgetting is Darwin. Uh, I'm struggling with Darwin. Um, I suppose it's, it's the fixtures. I've, I need to look more into Darwin because he is an animal. He is an animal. And I think if he stays fit, he could easily, you know, he, he could, he's the only one who could get close to Haaland for, for goals this season, probably. Um, so I do like him a lot. But then it just comes back to the knowns, the knowns of Mitrovic, the knowns of, of Tony, Isak and Haaland. So annoyingly, it feels quite predictable to me at the moment. Wildcard this week or next week or the week after all feels quite predictable, but you know, what's the point in moving away from, from these guys? I think Isak is a typical player that I don't like buying in FPL. New to the league. Um, his goal-scoring record outside of the, the league wasn't amazing. When he was at Dortmund, it wasn't brilliant. But he's clearly got a lot of potential and he's got great fixtures. It feels like a recipe for disaster to me. You, you, the fixtures <laughs> tempt you into getting him and then he doesn't do anything. And then you look back after and think, why did I do that for? Because it all promised that he wasn't going to do anything because his goal-scoring record and and things like that so but he's still so tempting um i haven't really considered tony if i'm bit i've obviously considered him but I, he's never really been close to getting in my wild card team i, I like his numbers and I, I like that he's guaranteed minutes but and the fact he's on pens but it feels like he's not as good as some of the other ones on this list um i'm not brave enough to go for darwin yet i don't know if he's how many minutes he's guaranteed to play for me he's obviously doing quite well at the minute as well and i don't think that'll hold Keep him in the team forever. Darwin will play more minutes, but 
there's enough. I don't, I don't want to spend nine million on a striker who's going to miss a set number of minutes, and we're not going to get that missed minutes with, with Jesus, for example. So I'm, I'm kind of between Jesus and Isak, I think, to go with Haaland and Mitrovic, but it's whether I'm brave enough to go with with Isak. Who have you got, Martin? Have you got Isak? I've got Isak in at the moment, and um, yeah, it is. This is this is another reason why you know Neko Williams and a bit of money over someone like Dallo. It does mean that if something does happen to Isak, then then I can just get straight to Tony, like because he's only a, so I'm not I'm not leaving myself sort of stuck with him. Um, but yeah, obviously Tony playing Newcastle, um, and we've all said we'll probably go with Pope and Trippier. Like that's not ideal, is it? Um, so yeah, I think I probably will start with Isak, but yeah, like I say, left myself in a position where I'm not trapped with him. Um, and then even things like if if it's not working out, you know, I think I think Bowen or Bowen's fixtures turn quite soon as well. So you could do you could then look at okay, well I'll drop De Bruyne or Salah or Son who or whoever sat there, sort of down to someone like Bowen, and then you can go for um, either Kane or Darwin or something like that. So. Um, yeah, I'm going to start with Isak, but there's lots of flexibility here, and, and these are all these are all good players, right? But I think the I think the key thing is that uh, yeah, I will go without Jesus for for a bit. Um, just uh, again, I just want to like like we said on last night's pod, I just want to take on that ownership, um, you know, because there's two sides to the coin. Um, you know, if he hauls, yeah, it could hurt you because loads of people have got him, but it also works the other way around, right? Um, if you if you go against them, so I've even got in my mind that his price might drop again in the coming weeks because everyone's to look at the fixtures and think I'll, I'll move to someone one of these cheaper ones, whether it's Mitrovic, Isak, or Tony, and it won't take too many transfers out for him probably, and his price goes down. And I've even got that in my mind that do I want to have to suck that up in a couple of weeks' time? Because if I if I start with Jesus this week, which I want to against Everton, um. I'll probably gonna, I am going to have to sell him, but I can't keep pre-booking all these transfers. Jesus out, Salah out, Trent out. It's, it's too much, right? So, yeah, it's awkward. I'm assuming we're all definitely not having two strikers and a 4.5. That's done, is it? That that plan? No, I'm definitely having three three <laughs> forwards now, yeah. I think, yeah. Um, I think even if it's... Even if you wanted to go with Solanke, so you could still go big at the back, I still think I prefer that now and play... You could play like five, two, three. Um, you end your season now, Martin, is your top points per game player, isn't he? Was it one game, <laughs> thirteen points, whatever it isn't done, is it? Yeah. I'm gonna hope. I'd, I'd I'd love it if he scored against Brighton this week because obviously that will wipe out a load of Sanchez clean sheets as well. That would be if he could sign off with that. Um, that would be fantastic. But um, yeah, the other thing I was going to just say on Jesus um, that we didn't cover last night was. You know, obviously, he scored 19 points against Leicester. His other games are 2 4 1 6 1. Like, it, is, is it really as scary? I, I, obviously, he's playing really, really well. But when you've got all these other options, I think it is an opportunity to take on his ownership with those fixtures. I really do. Mm. He's not <laughs> quite proving the talisman. I think some people thought he would be, is he? They are sharing goals and points around a bit more. So I, I, I would definitely, if I had to pick one of Martinelli or Jesus to keep Martinelli every day, Mm. he's not leaving my team he's the, the absolute lock in my team and Haaland are the two that are non-negotiable for me I mean, if Jesus doesn't score this week which I expect him to but you know Everton have looked decent if he doesn't you're right I think his price will plummet because um, he's so highly owned and people, people will lose patience but um, 
yeah, there's, there's just so many price points up front. That, that that's the thing. I, I agree that Isaac. Like, I don't really know enough about him myself, but he's he's got the fixtures, he's got the numbers, and he plays for a good team. And um, but it's the price points you can move off these guys if if, if you need to. Solanke as well. I agree. I was going to say he's is worth mentioning. He's got very good fixtures. Brighton this week. It wouldn't surprise me if he scores. Then he's got Newcastle away, which is not great. Then he's got Brentford at home, Leicester at home, Fulham away, Southampton at home. I mean, Solanke's fixtures are unbelievable and the, and the team is geared around him. Everything goes through him. Um, and he's got pens as well. So he's definitely a good option if you do want to save a bit of money, like, like we said. Um, Antonio is probably worth, is worth mentioning, only because people aren't mentioning him, but you can see that West Ham have just suddenly woken up and Antonio's woken up and he just looks so sharp. I mean, he, he, he scored, a, I, can't, I think it was one disallowed. He scored another, he hit another pile driver that hit the post. The goal that he got was a typical Antonio goal. It was like one, you know, one yard out. Um, which is probably where most of his numbers in the last couple of games, he's got, he's got like 0.9 non-pen XG the last two games. But he, He's suddenly woken up and they've, they've from game week eight, they've got Everton, Wolves, Fulham, Southampton. So there's just so many options up front um, that that's, that's the main reason why you want three strikers and three strikers around those around those prices. They're hard to sell though, aren't they, when you pick one? So if you pick Tony, for example, you, you always run, a lot of people did Tony to Mitrovic this week, didn't they? They obviously uh, got stung by that, by Tony's hat trick. So you're always going to feel reluctant to sell one because I think all of these on this list are pretty much capable of scoring in any game. So yeah. you're always going to be quite reluctant to sell, which is I think that becomes an a, an issue as well. Then uh, I haven't made a striker transfer since game week two. I did Kane to Haaland, one to two, and I just held Haaland and Jesus all the way through. Now I've not had this problem yet of rotating strikers and trying to jump around, but m- m- maybe that is going to be the, the play for the next sort of six eight weeks. That this sort of this if you've got two pri- players in sort of this price point, you you move around a little bit more and try and play the fixtures. Yeah, I mean, you, you're right. It's, it's, you're, not, you're not going to sell these guys. I think your transfers are going to be somewhere else, but then that it could be quite punishing. It could be really punishing time, actually, for, for us managers because, you know, the swings, the variance, you, you know, Tony or, or Isak could just absolutely smash it and the other, one, the other one does nothing. And when you look at it now, there's not much to choose between them. So, yeah, get, getting a bit of luck and choosing the right strikers could be could be huge. I'll quickly go on. This is my current squad at the minute. This is not going to be anywhere like my current squad when the game starts. He's got 9.3 in the bank. For starters, I'm not going to be keeping 9.3 in the bank on my on my wild card. This is basically just a team full of players that have gone up in price. I think all of these I've got some value in. Some's only 0.1, so obviously I can't... I won't make a profit selling them at 0.1, but they've all gone up a little bit since I've owned them. Um but it's it's highly likely I'll only keep four or five of these when it actually comes down to um to picking a squad. A few sort of different ones in here. We, we've spoken about most of these in some way. That I suppose the ones we haven't spoken about are Gross and Rashford. It's unlikely, I think, if I'm being realistic, I start with either. I think I don't think I'll have either of those two uh, on my wild card. I know, Danny, you especially are quite keen on Rashford. So you can try and sell him to me if you like. You've already convinced me to get four defenders. So see if you can convince me to get Rashford. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I'm I'm a little bit torn. Again, this is the information thing with United. I'm annoyed. I'm, I'm not annoyed because you know I was very keen on in preseason. Just you know, FPL is a simple game sometimes. You know, and just I was looking at it preseason going when you know six point five, and he's he's the guy who always makes the runs off the last man. He's you know he's essentially Son, who's not quite as good for a team. It's not quite as good, but it's six point five. You know, and he big chances always fall to Rashford. He doesn't do much tracking back. He's he's virtually no one's going to beat him in a race. 
Um, and he just it's just whether he had that confidence. Um, so at six point five, he could be ridiculous value. He could be. It's worth, in my opinion, just getting on him. My issue is, even as a United fan, I'm not certain what right now what the first team looks like. It could, if Martial's fit, he will start in the number nine. He's by far our best um, forward in that position. Ronaldo's out of favour. He's not going to be starting at the moment unless something drastically changes. And then Anthony's. Anthony's, from what little information we have so far, is is very likely to start most games on the right wing. You know, um, Ten Hag said we've got two guys who you know prefer to play on the other side. And we've never really had a natural right winger, and now we've got one. And he's spent eighty five million on him. So Anthony's nailed, and Martial's nailed, and then you've got and then Bruno Fernandez is nailed. So I'm struggling to you know because. If you'd have asked me three or four weeks ago, I'd have said Sancho was looking like one of our best players, one of our best attackers, and he's probably first choice. And then he's gone off the boil a little bit in the last couple. And Rashford has suddenly, you know, really started to shine. And Rashford's much better on the left than he is up front. He's, 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 he's mostly ineffective up front, which can be really frustrating. Um, so it's actually hard to know, even though I'm very keen on Rashford, and I'd rather be on him than off him. And then he's got he's got Palace away, which is I don't know what to make of because again normally I'd be wouldn't think that was a good fixture at all. But Palace had given up a lot of big chances, and as I say, there's something wrong. There seems to be something wrong at the back. And then they've got Leeds at home, and I don't really want to be going into that game without a United attacker. Um, and if Rashford is playing as well as he can, I don't see how you can drop him. I don't see how he can't be first choice for you know most teams. He's basically got everything that you want as a footballer. He, he, he can do any, he can do anything on his day. It's just his decision making's been off. You know, he's, as fast as you can get, his finishing's awesome. He's good with his head. So, um, but again, the way I've looked at the wild card, assuming I've got that Salah price point and assuming I've got those defenders and Pope and three strikers, there isn't all that much to spend on midfielders. So. The six point maybe, maybe. price point's a good one. I say you could have Sinistera this week. Leeds have got Bournemouth, could be a good game. Then you mm. move, as you say, to Rashford for that Leeds game, grosses around that price. I think that's an all right price point to be jumping around maybe for little two game streaks for players. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely it's definitely a useful price point. Whether it's the most valuable one to be switching around for transfers, given the Salah one, I'm, I'm not sure. And I, I, I thought about Sinister myself, and I'm, I'm really tempted. It's, he's got Forest, hasn't he? Forest at home on Monday night. Sorry, Forest. Yeah, I said Bournemouth. I mean, yeah, yeah. Forest. Yeah. yeah. And um, my only issue, I, I'm really tempted. Like, if I knew for certain I was wildcarding in eight, then I'd be tempted. But then my issue with Sinister is he's, he's been taken off on 60 minutes the last two games. And I haven't really watched him, and he's scored, he's, he's, but he's still putting up good numbers. So I, but then. When I try and think of it really objectively, even though I'm someone who's unsure on Rashford, it's, it's, it's Rashford. He's number 10 for Man United. He's a guy who can just hat-trick any game. And you think, am I going to even though I really fancy Leeds on Monday, am I going to pick Sinistera over Rashford? I don't I don't think I am. So, What do you think, Danny? So let's assume that Rashford's playing in his best position off the left, um, you know, most weeks. Would you pick him over Martinelli? Um, not at this point. No, I mean that's a pretty, pretty good question. I mean, if if we knew that Rashford was going to start every game on the left, he's probably a better option still than Martinelli. Um, but that's close, and we don't know that. And Martinelli is the standout at the moment for Arsenal. I, I'm not going to sell Martinelli as it stands. And again, that, that, that you know, 
that might not be necessarily the correct decision. There's an opportunity there. Arsenal's fixtures are so bad. There's a perfectly, it's perfectly plausible, you know, perfectly kind of plausible to go without any Arsenal attackers. But he's just so cheap. So yeah, and we we what value tied. Well, uh, well, I certainly I've got value tied up in him. I've had him since the start. So, but yeah, Rash, Rashford or Martinelli is is a potential decision for me. But I mean, Rashford's you know. We get we get guided by the price as well, don't we? Sometimes it's the same with Pereira before the season start. He's not a four point five player. Pereira is he's a five point five or a six million pound player. And assuming Rashford is playing and he's got a bit of confidence, which we, you think he has after getting you know three returns against Arsenal, he's not a he's he's a, probably a ten million pound midfielder. He's certainly a nine million pound midfielder, and he's mm. six point five. I think for most people, I think Andreas is a lock on any wild card. I, I'd imagine that. Um... Martinelli, I think, feels like a lock on most wild cards in one premium. The other two spots are quite open at the moment. I know you said it earlier, Martin, about Bailey. I think I'm going to probably have him as well um, as one of my midfielders. And that leaves one midfield spot then, which I feel like is a rotating spot. Because say it could be Rashford, could be Zaha. Um, I've got, it's going to come down to really how much I've got to, to go for in that role. Could I get up to 8 million with it? Um and get to like a mount should things turn around for him. I don't know if I'd have enough budget to that, but Zaha will definitely be top end of of that price point. But Bowen, uh, good good fixtures coming yeah, up. Yes, so, uh, or Paqueta. I think he could come good. I think he's underpriced as well. Was he six million? I think his numbers at Leon um were quite good. Yeah, Started number ten last weekend. Um, came off, but I'd imagine he'll gradually get more and more minutes in that number ten role for West Ham. So I think he's. Another one who's probably too cheap. He probably should be seven million, seven and a half. I think. What I'm, what I'm trying to crowbar in, Craig, is is my last note that I haven't said yet about about Don't don't crowbar in. You can you can you can say it freely. Yeah, well, it's it's coming. It's coming back to my point earlier about you know the, the six week sample size is magnified when it's at the beginning of the season. Um, and obviously, Bowen, a fantastic asset last season. He actually didn't um, score until game week seven last season. So. Just, um, yeah, just that point again, really, about don't write off these players like Bowen and Son because they did exactly the same thing last season um, and 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 it probably will turn for them. So One of my favourite things in FPL is getting a player in who's dropped 0.2 or 0.3 from their starting price and getting them in when they start doing well and then their price goes back up to what it started off as. I've, and I've had them for... Cheaper. Bowen must have dropped about 0.3 by now as his son's gone down about the same. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of catching these sort of players before they start going up again and sort of then I can brag about it afterwards. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a nice feeling to be able to do that. <laughs> I, I, I don't think um, Bowen will be worth two million more than Paqueta though, even a, a Bowen doing quite well. I, I think that's quite, a, that price gap's too big. I, th- I think it's Paqueta between those two. But Son, I can definitely feel like He's not going to score like five goals, is he? This year, he's going to score 10, 15, maybe, maybe more. Yeah, and as I said earlier, he scored once between game week seventeen and game week twenty-four. So it's like nine game weeks he scored once, and then probably scored about eight in the seven that followed, did he, or something and like he, that? And he and he almost very nearly won the golden boot, didn't he? So um, yeah, as I say, it's, it's it's magnified because it's the beginning of the season. But don't think Son's never gone four or five games without a goal because he does it. He did it well. He did it a few times last season. So, um, and and as we saw from your graphic at the beginning, it's not like he's not shooting. It's not like he's not in the box. So yeah, it probably will turn for him at some point. 
Cool. That is the end of the slides, apart from the farewell goodbye one that we always struggle to promote. Martin, anything else from you, Danny, before we uh, call time on this one? I ain't got a final whistle for this, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I don't think so, mate. No, I, I mean, there's, there's probably loads of things that we, should, we, we could have talked about, we could talk about FPL all day, but no, it's been good. Right, thank you. I'll let you do this, Martin. I know I thought sort of led this pod, but you like doing the. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it sort of, yeah, it sort of falls on me, doesn't it? Like, follow, subscribe, guys. If you liked what you heard today, um, if you've only come and listened to us because of Danny, that's absolutely cool. We're glad to have you here, but do uh, do smash a like, do subscribe. Um, we do an FPL pod um, every every Monday, and we do and we do invite Sky questions, Gaffer questions on that as well. Um, so yeah if you're not familiar with us and you've enjoyed the pod today then uh, give us a follow and give us a go amazing uh, and that will be that I've got to now work out how to stop this but um, until next time thanks Danny appreciate that mate um, yeah, thanks buddy nice one Thanks, guys bye